It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you here on this Tuesday, January 19th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Kiesa versus Magni, which will take place on Wednesday, January 20th on UFC Fight Island. Now, obviously, it goes without saying that it's good to be back with you folks. And uh, this is going to be an interesting preview show, okay? Uh, it is uh, 11.30 p.m. on January 19th, and we are just like a few hours away from, well, we're like eight hours, nine hours away from this fight card actually starting, uh, because it's going to start at, uh, I believe, 9 a.m. Now, I'm not a big fan of that, okay? I'm not a big fan, especially because it's a Wednesday card. Now, I will be awake somehow and uh, watch the fight and scout it and shit I'll probably just do a fucking recap show right after because it'll it'll probably end at like I don't know t- t- one so uh, not a big fan of it not a big fan of it uh, a lot of people I don't know if you know this but uh, most people work okay and uh, most people work during the day so they can't tune in to something that's during the day. That's typically why a lot of sporting events are uh, at nighttime or in the evening time is generally when they will start um, so that you could maximize uh, the amount of people who uh, consume the game. Uh, That's why we don't really have baseball games that start at uh, 10 a.m. in the morning because uh, generally that's not uh, peak viewing time. So congrats to the bunch of geniuses over at the UFC that decided to start this card in the wee hours of the morning. That's genius. Absolutely genius. Especially considering uh, there will only be like, there probably will be a crowd at this fight like there was on Saturday, but it's probably only a, f- a few thousand people. Maybe, who knows, maybe just a thousand people. So, I don't know. I guess it works out for Abu Dhabi time. Doesn't work out for anybody else except for the people in the arena. So, stellar job at narrow casting and, and, you know, just, I don't know. I mean, if I didn't view this, if I wasn't going to view it live, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess I would have just viewed it on replay, but um, people tend to overestimate how many people are uh, casual fans and not hardcore. So, uh, stellar move by the UFC. Uh, this has also presented some problems for the main card showdown. Uh, the Grand Prix is still intact. It, it is still intact, and we have all the picks for all the people in the main card showdown, Grand Prix. Uh, the Invitational Grand, Grand Prix, however, is absolutely fucked. Uh, it's so fucked we might not even do it, uh, but I'll, I'll figure that out. I don't, you know, I don't really know. Uh, I got a message from Drew. Basically, everybody except for, like, the main people are out. Uh which I guess is best case scenario because, you know, it's not like Drew didn't get his picks in or other people, but uh, Jordan, out. Corey, out. Brandon, out. Bree, out. Uh, 
Page out. Anthony out. So we have nobody. It, oh, and uh, uh, Reagan Hooverman is probably out because I forgot to get picks from him. Uh, I, I guess I could text him, and I probably could get picks from him. Uh, so I'll, I'll work on that, but Reagan's probably out as well. So uh, we have nobody. Uh, Grandpoo the Squirrel is in if we need him, and I think we will. So I'm trying to think who would be in the Invitational. So Peyton is in the Invitational. Grandpoo's in the Invitational. Oh, Francis. Fuck it. We'll throw Francis in there, so now we just need one more. Who could we possibly... Oh, and Rick. Rick's picks are in. So... Oh, and Pip, too. Okay. All right, you know what? So fuck it. The the Invitational is back on. It's back on. Uh, we have enough people. Okay, all right. You know, fuck it. People who didn't get their picks in, whatever. Um... Yeah, whatever. I mean, that's just that's just how it goes. I mean, some fights will probably fall out, and all of our picks will be fucking destroyed, uh, anyways. So, uh, you know, you know, that, that's whatever. You know what I mean? That's the life of being a promoter. Okay, my my life is very difficult. Okay, because being the promoter for this is not fucking easy. Okay, and and, and being the co-promoter in, in Drew, I imagine, is not easy as well with all the picks you have to get in. <coughs> Uh, excuse me. My voice is absolutely shot from uh, calling a hockey game and doing the preview. So uh, I'll try to keep this one as brief as possible, even though it's a six-fight main card and uh, 14 fights uh, on this psalm bitch. But uh, yeah, a lot of this card is just kind of fluff. I'm, I'm really not interested in this fight card at all. Uh, I'll, I'll try my best. I, I really will. But uh, it's a lot of prelim fights. The only fight on here that's not a prelim fight is Kiesa and Magni, and that's probably just like a main card opener. Even on, well, not even on a fight night, but on a pay-per-view, that's a main card opener. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, you know, there are fighters that I'm interested in, in seeing, but not greatly. Uh, so we'll get right into this. We'll start here with the prelim opener. It's a women's flyweight fight between Victoria Leonardo and Manon Fiorit. I, I don't know. She's from France. I, I, I don't speak French, so I probably butchered that. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this in about 30 seconds because I really just don't give a shit about a lot of these fights and uh, we are pressed for time. Uh, but Leonardo is the minus 120 favorite. Uh, I like her in this fight. She's 8-2. Fiorit is 5-1. Now, I did see Leonardo fight because she did fight on the Contender Series where she beat Chelsea Hackett. Uh, that was a very young, uh, very uh, uh, talented prospect. And she beat her pretty soundly. You know, knocked her out. Uh, so that's really all I have about that. She seems to be rather well-rounded. Uh, a lot of experience uh, in, in the amateurs as well. Uh, eight fights as an amateur. So someone who is, is you know, not short on experience. She is 30, so she is ready to win now. Uh, I think she'll win uh, this one. I have absolutely nothing to say about Manon. Uh, her nickname is The Beast. We will see if she lives up to that. I would. I'm not going to say she won't. But uh, I'm skeptical. I'm, I'm dubious of someone whose nickname is The Beast. Although she has a lot of fucking knockouts for, uh, for a female fighter. I mean, a lot of her fights are, are knockout wins. So, you know, whatever. Hey, hey we'll see. I'll, I'll be pleasantly surprised.
All right, moving on here, we have a bantamweight fight between Umar Nurmagomedov and Sergey Morozov. Nurmagomedov is 12 and 0, Morozov is 16 and 3. We'll take a look at the odds. These of course coming from uh Odds Shark. Uh well, I guess the odds are through Odds Shark, but they're from we'll go Bovada. Uh, Nurmagomedov is the minus 550 favorite. That is fucking massive. So we'll obviously be going with Nurmagomedov on this one. Uh, I don't know if he's related to Khabib because apparently Nurmagomedov is a fairly common last name over in uh, Dagestan. Uh, He's had a Dickens, a Dickens of a time trying to uh, get a fight scheduled in the UFC. He's had four canceled bouts. Uh, three of those, I believe, are in the UFC. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he finishes fights. He's, he's Kenny Florian. He finishes fights. And Morozov, uh, he is from glorious Kazakhstan. So it was tough for me not going with him, although the odds make it very clear I shouldn't. Uh, his uh, gym affiliation is Erkin Kush. So I really want to go for this guy. And I, I would if he was fighting anybody else, but I just I just can't. Uh, not against Nurmagomedov, who's uh, nearly a minus 600 favorite. He is on a five-fight winning streak, and he finishes fights. He has a lot of finishes. Of course, these are all in Russia, where finishes don't really matter. Um, but good for him, and I'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, his topology profile has him uh, wearing a belt. So, you know, this guy's a winner. He wins championships. So, uh, that's, that's you know, that could be another feather in the cap of Nurmagomedov. Uh, moving on here, in the lightweight division, we have a matchup here between Mike Beastboy Davis and Mason Jones. Now, Mike Davis is 8-2, eight and, eight and two. Mason Jones is 10-0. and oh. uh, We look at the odds here. They will have Mike Davis as the minus 170 favorite, although the opening, whatever that is, has him as a minus 210 favorite. So, there is a fairly decent swing on uh, the odds depending on where you look I like to look all around because I like to be an open-minded guy Uh, but uh, it's really tough to go against undefeated guys but fuck me if I'm not going with Mike Davis dude that guy's a fucking beast that was the guy who fought Thomas Gifford uh, in his last appearance now it it has been a hot minute okay because that was in uh, October of 2019 so it's Fuck, and I was still in college when this guy fought last, so he's had two canceled fights with Giga Chikadze, which, oh man, that would have been interesting to see how that would have gone, but absolutely brutalized him for 14 minutes and uh, I'd say like 40 seconds, and then just flatlined him, just face-planted Thomas Gifford with a vicious KO, Um, almost created the first fatality in the UFC, I mean, if anybody was going to die... Uh, Thomas Gifford, uh, I would have had great concerns for his well-being uh, in that fight. Uh, and, and But again, it's tough to go against an undefeated guy because, you know, they're just not accustomed to losing. And, and Mason Jones, he is 25, uh, and, and he's from Wales. So he's, he's a Welchman. He's a Welchman. Uh, this is his UFC debut. I'm not sure if he was champ over in Cage Warriors because obviously that's... You know, if you're if you're champ over in Cage Warriors, I mean, you know, Jesus, I mean, it seems like every single champ in Cage Warriors has come to the UFC and had some sort of success. Um, so, 
I, I don't take this lightly because he does come from one of the best feeder organizations and was winning a lot of fights over there. Um, but I just like, I, I like Davis. I, his striking was amazing. Uh, his, his power was really, really good. Uh, and uh, he's, got, he's got good explosivity as well. And also, I believe that was at featherweight, and this fight is at lightweight, so he's going to be even bigger. So he's going to be even stronger. So, uh, you know, maybe he went up a division too high. Uh, I guess we'll find out, but uh, I'm a pretty big fan of uh, Mike Davis. All right, we'll move on here. Uh, on the prelims, we'll have a flyweight fight between Jerome Rivera and Francisco Figueredo. Now, I believe Francisco Fe- Figueredo, looking at him I and <laughs> seeing his last name, I believe he's in some way related to Davis and Figueredo. I would sure hope that Jerome Rivera is in no way related to Irwin Rivera. Uh, I don't want to say what Irwin Rivera was accused of doing, but a quick Google search of Irwin Rivera UFC would uh, reveal why he's no longer on the roster. Obviously, there's due process, so I hope that's wrong. That's a terrible thing he's been accused of. But obviously, if he, if he, obviously, if he's convicted, uh, you know, fuck him, <laughs> more than fuck him. Uh, but yeah, hopefully there's no relation there. Um, but yeah, this should be an interesting fight. Rivera is 10 and three. Figueredo 11, three and one. We'll look at the handy dandy trusty odds here. They will have Figueredo as the minus 160 favorite. Uh, pretty hard to go against somebody whose last name is Figueredo. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is his UFC debut because I have uh, I've never heard of him. Uh, his last fight was at uh, Jungle Fight 95 in September of 2019, and it was a unanimous decision draw. So uh, that's rather interesting to get signed to the UFC from a draw, but I, you know, I assume the UFC at times is pressed for, uh, for fighters. Uh, Jerome Rivera, I don't think he's fought in the UFC... Oh, no, he did. He fought Tyson Nam, and he got knocked out. Uh, that's not super great. Uh, he also fought on the Contender Series. I don't I don't remember that guy at all. Uh, so I'm going to go with Figueredo. He, he's the favorite. He's obviously got greatness in his DNA, and I, you know, I just don't know who uh, Jerome Rivera is. He is 5'10", though, at, uh, at flyweight. So that is... Uh, that's pretty damn tall, man. That's pretty damn tall uh although i think statistically height is one of the more overrated uh categories out there i think somebody did a study on that so it's a good talking point but uh doesn't really mean a whole lot all right we're moving on here to the middleweight division where we we will have a fight between dalsha lungiambula and marcus perez Lungiambula is 10 and 2. Perez is 12 and 4. Uh, the odds are in the favor of Dalsha. Dalsha champion Lungiambula. Uh, it's a minus 150 favorite. And uh, I don't know. This is definitely the right weight class for Lungiambula because I remember at the infamous UFC Minneapolis card, I watched his debut against uh, Daquan Townsend. And it was a very good one, but uh, he, he's five foot eight, and he weighed uh, in at, uh, at light heavyweight. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I, th- I think middleweight. I mean, listen, if you're five foot eight, you're a, a lightweight. But uh, you know, all things considered, I think he's better suited here at middleweight. His reach is actually fucking insane for a five foot eight man. His reach is seventy six inches, which, oh man, that's that's actually pretty long. So that's interesting. He is thirty five. I didn't think he was that old. I, I did not think he was that old. Uh, he is the uh, the pride of uh, Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, he got viciously finished, viciously finished in his last fight against Megamed Ankalaev. Got to be honest, that's a fucking tough fight. That's a that's a tough fight to give him. Uh, and this is his first fight down at middleweight. Now, Marcus Perez, I think, is a tough fighter, but he makes some mistakes in the octagon. Okay. He also makes some mistakes outside of the octagon, uh, chiefly dressing as Joker. He's he's the guy who would dress up as Joker during the uh, weigh-ins. Kind of cool the first time, uh, actually, but you know, not really cringy. It's really cringy uh, the last couple of times. Now, uh, like I said, I, I think he is talented, and I think he could be a good fighter, but he's he's just kind of faltered uh, for for I mean really his entire UFC career here. And, and let's be honest, if he loses to Dalsha, he's probably getting cut, never say never, uh, just because, oh man, you know, the UFC could be desperate for for a, a card to sign somebody. But this was a guy back in 2017 who beat Ian Heinish in, uh, in the LFA. So a talented guy comes to the UFC, loses to Eric Anders, Gets a win, loses to Andrew Sanchez, winner of the Ultimate Fighter, beats Anthony Hernandez, and then he loses to Wellington Terman. That's a rough one. And uh, in November, no, October, in October, he got knocked out in round number one by Drickus Duplessis, who I think that's a legitimately tough fight because I think Duplessis will do good things, great things in the UFC. But that was where, oh shoot, what did he do? He did some spinning bullshit. He did some spinning bullshit because the back of his head was exposed <laughs> because he he missed a spinning thing or something. He tried to do something wild and, and just got viciously knocked out because Drickus was just not having it. Um, so, I don't know. He, he, he desperately needs a win here. Um, boy, that's tough. That's tough because I don't know how Dalsha will do at 185. You know, I, I am going to go with Marcus Perez on this one. Uh, you know, my heart's telling me to go with Dalsha Lungiambula because uh, he's got a cool name and he fought in Minneapolis. But I am going to go with Marcus Perez because I think he is the better fighter and his two wins in the UFC were against lower-level competition. And I think Dalsha is lower-level UFC competition until he can prove otherwise. And maybe he proves me wrong. Uh, that's that's a real possibility. But I don't know, man. I just really haven't seen it from Dalsha in the UFC. All right, we'll move on here. Uh, if my computer would stop having an aneurysm, and we will see the return of Sue Madarji against Zaruk Adeshev. Madarji is 13 and 4. Adeshev is a blazing 3 and 2, so that's very, very impressive. Um, we'll look at the odds here. I could not imagine what these odds are going to be. Oh, Jesus Lord. Sue Madarji is the minus 500 favorite. I would say that's even low. Um, because where, 
Ah, shit, where is it? Oh, there we go. There are the rankings. Alrighty. Because uh, we do have Madarji ranked. He is the number 15 flyweight, according to North Star Sports. This is not going to go good. Of any... You know what? Fuck it. This is the lock of the week. Suma Darji flatlines Zaruk Adeshev, okay? Um, Suma Darji, part of the Chinese takeover that I was talking about uh, on the recap show. Uh, you know, you talk about Wei Li Zhang becoming champion. That's a big breakthrough. Does it in China. That's cool. You talk about Li Jianling, uh, who just knocked out um, Santiago Ponzinibbio. I mean, fuck, that was a dark horse of the division. You know, there's a lot of really good up-and-coming, uh, well, and in some cases already here, Chinese fighters. And Su Madarji, I mean, the, the people in the know think this guy is, is the next big big thing. And he's also at flyweight, so his, his path to the championship is, you know, easier than any other division, you know, in the UFC. Only 25, he's 5'8", potential move up to bantamweight is a real possibility long-term. Uh, and this guy just fucking smoked Malcolm Gordon, knocked him out in under a minute. Uh, man, Adeshev, I don't think should be in the UFC. His uh, he, he just needs more experience, okay? Um, he is from Uzbekistan. Uh, he, he might be the first Uzbekistani fighter in the UFC, uh, which is cool, which is cool. But he, he, he needs... He needs more fights out of the UFC. He got knocked out in uh, round number one by Tyson Nam, who is not known for having success in the UFC. Uh, Tyson Nam did have, oh, let's see, 40 fights compared to Adeshev's four. So stellar, stellar matchmaking by the UFC. Um, yeah, I, th- this is not going to go good for him. I feel very confident in that. Watching Sumadarji uh, in his last performance and just seeing the inexperience of Adeshev. Uh, yeah, th- that's... I would not call that malpractice, but some might call that malpractice to, to you know, just put capable contenders against just bums. Uh, so, I don't know, man. I don't know. I hope... Oh, I hope he doesn't get brutally flatlined, but, uh, you know, that's a distinct possibility. All right, we're moving on here. Still on the prelims, we'll have a bantamweight fight between Ricky Simone and Gaitello Pirello. Hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, Simone is 16-3, and Pirello is 15-5-1. We'll take a look here at the odds. They will have Ricky Simone as the minus 500 favorite. A lot of heavy favorites on this card, uh, if we're being honest. And, uh, yeah, I don't really know what's going on here. I, I, I don't get it. Ricky Simone, he's a talented guy, talented kid. Uh, he's still probably only 26, 20, oh, okay, he's 28. Still a young guy. He's in a stacked division, by the way. And, uh, you know, he has, he has a, a win over Ray Borg. I think he was pushed a little too fast with uh, fights against uh, Rob Font and Uriah Faber, but he does have some nice wins, has a f- bullshit fucking disqualification win, as far as I'm concerned, against Marab Devalishvili. But, you know, a talented fighter, I, I don't really get why he's fighting this guy. Now, maybe a fight fell out, but I'm, I'm not necessarily... I'm not aware of that. Uh... Pirello, he is from Belgium. 
He is from Belgium. He's 28 years old as well. And he's on a two-fight winning streak. He's coming from European Beatdown. The European Beatdown circuit. So uh, he, he has a loss to Arnold Allen over in Cage Warriors. I believe that's his only fight in Cage Warriors. I don't really know why this fight was made. Maybe Ricky Simone needs money or... Uh, Maybe he needs a win, but uh, I don't. I don't know, man. I know nothing about Pirello. I'm. I'm definitely gonna go with uh, Ricky Simone on on this one. I just think there's there's levels to this game, and Ricky Simone is legitimately talented. And the odds that Pirello is as talented and at that level of Ricky Simone, coming from some unknown European MMA organization, I'd say it's pretty darn low. Ah, some high-quality H2O right there. Uh, All right, we're moving on here to the prelim headliner. Now, this is an interesting fight. It will be between uh, Omari Akhmedov and Tom Breeze. Now, Akhmedov is 25-1. Breeze is 12-2. We will look at the odds here. They'll have Tom Breeze as the slight minus 160 favorite. Uh, we'll also look at the North Star Sports middleweight rankings because they will have Omari Akhmedov at number 11. So this is a big test for Tom Breeze. This would really catapult him into the rankings right on the doorstep of the top 10. Um, now, I think I think a handful of years ago, people would have expected Tom Breeze would be in the top 10 already. I mean, this is one of the hottest prospects. I mean, he was the guy who was going to take over for Bisping and uh, had a, a long time off, uh, you know, suffered some losses. He, he suffered some losses, uh, but he's back. He's back. And uh, he knocked out KB Bilar. That was back uh, in October. He knocked him out with a power jab is what they're calling it. Uh, that also was a fight that never should have happened. Uh, Tom Breeze is legitimately talented. And uh, KB Bilar is someone who I think they tried to put on the Contender Series, but it fell through, so they just put him into the UFC. Um, <coughs> excuse me. This is a legitimate test for Tom Breeze, and I think it's a very safe one as well. Omar Yakhmedov, uh, he, he's not going to knock you out. He might submit you. But he's a de- he's a decision fighter with very very little power, which is why they uh, matched him up against uh, Chris Weidman because they knew it was a very very safe fight. And I don't know. I think this is a UFC. You know, all all due respect to Omar Yakhmedov because he could win this fight. But I think this is the UFC doing Tom Breeze a favor. It's saying, hey, do you want to be in the rankings? Well, I'll take on this. Uh, good fighter, he's a good fighter, but he's not a dangerous, you're not going to get hurt, uh, and take on him, and, you know, if, if you win, you're ranked, if you lose, well, you just lost a decision, you didn't really take much damage, so, um, yeah, I don't know, that's, that's good matchmaking if you want to get Tom Breeze into the top 10, um, I am, and I am going to pick Tom Breeze, I, I am, it's, it's definitely possible he could lose, Akhmedov is a good fighter, but, uh, I don't know, I think, I think Breeze has good power, and I think just knowing that you're not really in danger with Amari Akhmedov, so you can kind of fuck around and maybe do some shit that you wouldn't do if, uh, if you were going up against, like, I don't know, fucking Kevin Holland, uh, you know, I, I think that will embolden, embolden Tom Breeze, so, 
I think he'll win, and I think he'll win by finish. I think he will. We'll go second round finish, even though it doesn't really matter, because it's not the main card. But I'll tell you what, this is the main card. It's the main card opener, because it's Lerone Murphy taking on Douglas Andrade. Uh, Lerone Murphy is 9-0-1. Andrade is 26-3. And we'll look at the odds here. They will have Murphy as the prohibitive minus 325 favorite. And I got to say, yeah, it's obvious to me. I think Lerone Murphy is going to win this fight. Uh, I, I'm very impressed by this guy. I don't think he was brought in the, into the UFC with very high expectations, but his two performances have been uh, stellar, absolutely stellar against guys who he should never have fought in. Never have fought, Jesus. You can tell it's very late at night, and I'm very dehydrated. Uh, but he never should have, have, have fought Zubara Takugov, one of Khabib's boys, and it went to a, uh, a split decision draw. Now, that was back at UFC 242, okay, and, and Zubaira probably was on the doorstep of the rankings at that point, and this is just some some bloke, this is just some bloke from, you know, England coming in here, you know what I mean, coming here from uh, Manchester, just a Manchester bloke, okay, That's this is what the people of England tell me. And uh, comes in as a very, very good performance. And then uh, he comes back uh, eight months later and takes on Ricardo Hamos and knocks him out in round, round number one. And that was a fight where he was a major underdog. I mean, a lot of people were, were just, you know, giving glowing praise towards Ramos. I mean, and, and rightfully so. Ramos had earned it. And he was a, still is a very young, promising fighter. And uh, his striking obviously needs to improve because he got knocked out. But very good on the ground and, uh, you know, a, a black belt in BJJ. And Lerone Murphy just kind of fucking starched him. You know what I mean? And he even, he even took Hamos down. So he was he was beating him at his own game. So this this guy has balls. He's a ballsy guy. I, I think he's he's a legitimate prospect at 145. And uh, I'm excited. I think he'll beat uh, Douglas uh, Andrade. And, uh, you know, I'll be excited to see what he does in the future because I, I think uh, probably not a lot of people know about this guy, but uh, I, I think he is a, a legitimate uh, prospect. But, you know what I mean? I said the same fucking thing about Joaquin Buckley, and he got knocked out by a guy on a three-fight losing streak. So wouldn't shock me if, if Murphy lost because it wouldn't shock me if any result happens in any fight. But, uh, yeah, I, I do think he'll get this one done. And um, I'm going to say round two TKO, but I, I need to think about that more. That's not my official pick, but I'm just kind of spitballing here late at night. This is North Star Sports After Dark. All right, we'll move on here to a flyweight fight between Tyson Nam and Matt Schnell. Uh, Nam is 20, 11, and 1. Schnell is 14, and 5. Ugh, this is just not a good fight. Gross fight. Gross fight alert. Uh, Tyson Nam is at number 13 in the North Star Sports rankings. Matt Schnell is at number 10. Uh, they're only there because this is such a, a shallow division. Uh, Tyson Nam is the minus 130 favorite. Uh, ugh, fuck me. I wish I just could not pick a winner for this one, but unfortunately, 
this card is this is i don't want to jinx myself man i really don't but this is the fucking fight card i lose to captain you know what i mean because it's just oh just so many gross fights that are just terrible to pick oh god damn it this is gonna be a tough one against captain um but yeah tyson nam uh a lot of experience he does have a lot of experience he's very old very old for for flyweight he's 37 years old I mean, that's like being a 50-year-old heavyweight. That's ridiculous. But he's on a two-fight winning streak in the UFC. So I don't know how that happens, but props to him, man. Uh, Matt Schnell. I'm so bored. So bored. Uh, But yeah, Matt Schnell. Uh, His nickname is Danger. Well, let's see how many knockouts he has. Uh, Okay, he's got a couple of knockouts. All right, I was going to, you know... I wasn't ready to bury him for that nickname, but I just wanted to verify. Okay, you can't call yourself danger if you don't knock people out. Uh, and he knocks people out. He does. Uh, although he did get knocked out in his last fight against uh, Alexandre Pantoja. Uh, I am going to pick Schnell to win this fight. Not really for any profound reason, I, I, I you know, other than his age. He's uh, 31. Dude, I just cannot pick a 37-year-old flyweight, dude. I just can't do it. That's ridiculous. And I don't know by what method. I guess I'll have to sleep on it and make my picks tomorrow morning. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. By boredom. I think Matt Schnell beats Tyson Nam by boredom. All right, we're moving on here to a woman's flyweight fight between Roxanne Modafferi and Viviani Arujao. Modafferi is 25-17. and 17. Arujao is 9-2. and two. Uh, we'll take a look here at the odds. They will have Arujao, surprisingly, as the minus 325 favorite. Uh, I, I agree with her being the favorite. I think that's kind of crazy. I think that's a little disrespectful to Roxanne. She is a veteran of the sport. She's essentially a veteran of the women's flyweight division in the UFC. I mean, I know it hasn't been around for a long time, but she's been here since the beginning. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's a given that Arujao beats Mataferi. Um, I'm not looking forward to this fight because uh, Roxanne fights incredibly boring. She's a very, very, very boring fighter, and I'm not saying that in a mean way or a demeaning way. It's uh, it's more of a factual, like, hey, listen, I mean, like, she has a lot of wins and a lot of losses, but a lot of wins in the UFC, so it's clearly working for her to to a certain degree. So I'm not knocking it, man, because, you know, she doesn't fight for my entertainment nor does anybody you know you fight to win you play to win the game uh you you fight to win so you know fuck me you know be as boring as you want you know i listen if i if if i was a fighter and i had a method of winning a fight that was a hundred percent but it was boring as shit uh, i'm gonna have a lot of championship belts and title defenses you know and fuck anybody who cares about watching an exciting product uh but yeah Uh, i don't think this will be a fun fight uh, and the, the thing is, Arujao does have pretty good power for 125. Uh, that's kind of how she uh, uh, made her uh, a name for herself. But uh, Roxanne, I don't know if she's been knocked out in a professional MMA fight. She's been knocked out in an exhibition fight. But, okay, she was knocked out by Sarah Kaufman in 2010. So it's been a decade. It's been, well, I guess we're early in 2021. But... It's been uh, a decade since she's been knocked out, so I don't really see uh, Mataferi getting knocked out. Uh, like most female fights, I predict this to go to a decision where Arujao wins. 
But uh, I know Arruja is a good striker, and she's Brazilian, so she's probably good on the ground. Although I suppose that's stereotyping. That's stereotyping on my part, which you shouldn't do. But, I mean, fuck me if you can find me a Brazilian who's not good on the ground in MMA. Uh, but I don't know how good she is on the ground. So, I don't know. I mean, that's where Roxanne's the strongest. So, hopefully this fight doesn't go to the ground. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think uh, Viviani wins this one. All right, we're moving on here to the featured bout. It is a light heavyweight fight between Ike Villanueva and Vinicius Mojeda. Now, this is not a jungle fight fight. This is not a uh, Ryzen prelim fight. This is not a Bellator postlim fight. This is damn near the co-main event on a UFC uh, event, which is... Uh, uh, just gross. I don't think there's any other word I could properly sum this up with than gross. Uh, Villanueva is the minus 145 favorite. Dude, the more I go through this card, the more I'm just like, fuck me. I have to wake up early and watch this card. Uh, This card is... This card is just a card that they're like... It really feels like it's a card that they're just contractually obligated to put on. And uh, they put no good fights on this card. Now, I'm sure there will be a good fight or two, because that just tends to happen in, in UFC fights. But, oh, Ike Villanueva and Vinicius Mejeda. Dude, maybe they'll be good one day. I, I don't want to just bury someone in their entire fucking career. But, like, man, what I've seen from these guys in the UFC, I just have no fucking interest in seeing. Uh, Ike Villanueva, this was the man who got knocked out by Chase Sherman. Uh, who's notorious for for, for being one of the worst UFC fighters in the modern era. So that's cool. And then he got knocked out by Jordan Wright. So very cool. We have a guy in a featured bout who's been knocked out in round two and round number one in his only two UFC appearances. Stellar record, too, by the way, 16 and 11. That's a very good record. Uh, But 0-2, that's an even better record. 0-2 in the UFC is a better record than, than 16 and 11 overall, both very, very impressive. So I have high expectations for Ike Villanueva. You can really see why he's the minus 145 favorite uh, in this matchup, you know what I mean? Because he's done so much to to be here and, uh, you know, to, to deserve that favorite. And uh, Maheda, you know, don't count this guy out, you know what I mean? I know he's got a 9-4 and four record, which is not very good. And I know that he's 0-3 in the UFC, so some might say this guy's not very good in the UFC. And I know... I know that his three fights in the UFC are all first-round losses, two of them being knockouts. So, you know what I mean? I, I know people say, hey, this guy just fucking stinks. This guy fucking sucks. He can't last to the first goddamn bell. But don't count this guy out. Don't count Venetius Mejeda out. You know, he's a dog, man. You know what I mean? People tell me. I, I scout. I scout now, okay? So I call people, and I called all my sources, okay? I called all my Woj's and all my Adam Schefter's, and, man, they just tell me, don't count this guy out. He's, he's got that killer instinct, you know what I mean? He's got that killer-be-killed instinct, okay? And now, okay, our, he's been getting killed badly in all of his fights in the UFC, but, you know what I mean, one of these, one of these days he's going to do the killing, okay? You know, if we give this guy 15 fights in the UFC, you know what I mean, he's going to get that win one day, so... You know, just a stellar guy. Um, I can't wait. This is probably the the fight I'm most interested in. I mean, just high level. 
you know, both guys. You talk about like uh, Tony Ferguson not getting uh, a crack at the belt and, and being on that 12 fight winning streak or whatever. You know what I mean? This this really has the same feeling. Like this really is like uh, you know everybody. What is this light heavyweight? Everybody's talking about Jan Blahovich. Oh, Jan Blahovich, this Jan Blahovich, that. God, everybody keeps talking about Jan Blahovich, but nobody's talking about Vinicius Maheda, the dark horse of the division, and Ike Villanueva. Okay, just because he loses a shit ton of fights and doesn't win in the UFC and gets knocked out. Nobody's talking about this guy, okay? Just like nobody was talking about Tony Ferguson when he took on Justin Gaethje. This really has a similar feel here. Um, So it's tough for me to pick. I am going to go with Ike Villanueva. Now, this was very tough because they both have just a lot of red, a lot of red on on their recent record. But, you know, Ike's a killer. So I I really, I think he's going to win this one. But I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Hopefully the cage malfunctions and we just get a disqualification before this fight even begins so I don't have to contemplate dark thoughts having to watch this fight at fucking 11.30 in the morning on a goddamn UFC card. So, yeah. Ugh. I almost need a... I need a smoke break after that fucking abomination. Uh, But instead... I'll just move on here to the co-main event. One of the only fights on this card that actually is, like, a decent fight, kind of. Uh, and it's between Warley Alves and Munir Lezez. Lezez is 10-1. Uh, and one. Alves is 13-4. and four. Uh, We'll take a look here at the odds. They will have uh, Munir Lezez as the minus 260 favorite. Uh, I, I feel very good that Lezez is going to win this one. Now, uh, Worley Alves, uh, he has been in the UFC for a while. Even though he's only 30, I I guess I was confusing him with another another guy. Uh, I thought he was much older. But, uh, yeah, he gets finished in the UFC. He has a, a handful of losses. Uh, he's the only man to beat Colby Covington, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Yeah, he has a couple of decent wins, but he also has losses to, you know, Brian Barbarina and Kamaru Usman and, uh, you know, guys like this. And uh, Lazez, that's a very dangerous guy. I was super impressed with his performance. What was that against uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan? Um, he, also, he also has a win uh, over uh, Sasha Palatnikov on the uh, regional scene who was the guy who upset one of the Kosi brothers. Louis Kosi? Yeah, I think it was Louis Kosi. Um, but yeah, I was super impressed with that. I mean, that was the guy who came out of nowhere, and, uh, you know, Al Hassan is dangerous. I know he got absolutely flatlined and smoked by uh, Chaos Williams. Was it Chaos Williams? Shoot, now I miss... No, it must have been Chaos Williams. Um, but yeah, Al Hassan good fighter, and Lazez was really bringing it to him. I mean, even early on, he had no regard. He's, this guy is a very, very good kickboxer as well, so uh, he, he had good elbows, good knees, and, and he did a lot of damage. I was surprised that that one uh, went to a decision, so uh, I, I think I think he probably knocks out Worley Alves. Uh, I, I think uh, Lazez uh, 
I, I think, uh, you know, because that was his first UFC fight, you know, maybe, maybe there was jitters, maybe there wasn't. Uh, he, he is an older prospect at uh, 33. Um, but I don't know. I think he'll just be more comfortable in there, more more used to, you know, this, this level of fighting, and uh, I, I think he will get the finish. All right, we'll move on here to the main event of the evening. It is in the welterweight division. It's between Michael Chiesa and Neil Magny. Chiesa is 16 and 4. Magny is 24 and 7. Uh, we'll take a look here at the North Star Sports odds. Uh, they will show that Michael Chiesa is the number eight fighter, and uh, Neil Magny is number 11. Uh, we'll look at the odds here. They will have. Surprisingly, Neil Magny is the minus 145 favorite. That's that's a little bit surprising. I would honestly, I would have figured it was just a pick 'em or, or as close to as a pick 'em as you could get. Um, this is going to be a good, good fight, high level fight. Um, honestly, the, the, there's a lot of similarities you could draw between Michael Chiesa and Neil Magny. I think they're both really good in the clinch. They're they're both obviously really good on the ground. Uh, I think Magny's 6'3 and Kiesa's 6'1. So Kiesa was a fucking monster of a frame at 155. Still actually a pretty big frame for 170, but Magny's going to be the bigger guy. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see who's the better striker because honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know who the better striker is. I feel like they're they're almost dead even on the ground, almost dead even in the clinch. If I had to give an advantage, I'd probably give the advantage to Kiesa on the ground, Magni in the clinch. But striking, I don't know, man. All these, every fight starts on the feet, and a lot of the times when you have two grapplers going up against each other, uh, it turns into a kickboxing match. So, you know, oh, man, I I don't know. I mean, I guess we're really gonna find out uh, these, these guys' striking uh, abilities. But uh, uh, Magni is going to have a pretty sizable uh, reach advantage of about four and a half inches, which I'm sure Kiesa is not used to at all. I mean, he's probably always been the bigger fighter in uh, all of his fights. Um, Kiesa has a, a much shorter average fight time. Uh, Magni wins a lot of fights by decision, has some knockouts. Uh, Kiesa apparently has never won a fight by knockout, so that is uh, a little bit surprising. Um, we take a look at some of their uh, striking stats here. Uh, okay, so uh, apparently Neil Magny is by far the better striker. Uh, 47% on his significant strikes. Kiesa, 39% on his significant strikes. Uh, Magny lands nearly four per minute. Kiesa at around two per minute. Uh, and, and Magny has the better striking defense. Um, now, Kiesa is the better grappler, better takedown defense, higher takedown accuracy, and he's far more active on the ground. Um, the, I don't know. This this is tough, honestly, because the more I think about it, the more it tells me I should probably go with Magny. But I just like Kiesa, man. I think Kiesa gets it done. Uh, in general, I'm not saying in this fight because I'm still mulling over my uh, my pick here. But I, I really like Kiesa, man. It's so hard for me to pick against this guy because he's so resilient and uh, he, he's so well-rounded. Obviously, his striking has to improve. 
but he's on a three-fight winning streak. I mean, a win over Condit, Sanchez, and RDA. The RDA one is is a real good one to me. Um, but but Magny, I mean, he, he had a little bit of a break. He's one of the more active fighters, and he's he, he's on a, a bit of a streak here. I mean, a win over Robbie Lawler, Tony Martin, and, and Lee Jian Ling. His last loss was to Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I, I am going to go with Mike Chiesa on this one. I, I am. And it's more of a feeling. It's more of uh, intangibles. The numbers would say to go with Neil Magny. So would the odds. But I, I just think Kiesa gets it done, man. And I, I don't think it'll be easy because I think Magny is going to be tough on the ground because he's a, he's a big guy. And uh, I, I don't think it'll be easy. Um, but I just think Kiesa finds a way, man. He, he, he really does. And uh, th- this is tough. I very easily could see it going with Magny. But uh, I, I do think Kiesa is going to get it done. And do I want to go submission or decision? That's... That's the interesting part here. Let's look. Uh, Magny has been choked out a couple of times in the UFC. It is a five-round fight. I'll tell you what. If if this... If this was a three-round fight, I would 100% go to a decision. But because it's a five-round fight... Can Kiesa win a five-round fight... I'm going to say Kiesa chokes him out in round number four. I think Kiesa gets a submission here. Uh, that's definitely his MO. I think I think what happens is he, he, this fight somehow gets to the ground. Kiesa takes him to the ground, or, or they get to the clinch. And I, I think Kiesa just tries a shit ton of submission attempts until one of them just works. Uh, like, that, that's really his game plan, you know what I mean? Just rolling around on the ground. He doesn't really strike a whole ton on the ground. Uh, his striking numbers are pretty fucking low, but I, I just think he takes it to the ground and they, they just kind of roly-poly on, on the ground until he finds a spot he likes and uh, chokes out Neil Magny. I think that's what happens. So with that, we have completed our uh, preview of UFC Fight Night Kiesa versus Magny. Uh, with that, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Check out our website at northstarsports.media. We'll have updated rankings following uh, the main event. So, you know, probably at 1.30 p.m. tomorrow, we'll have new rankings. And uh, we'll also have a recap show tomorrow because, you know, this fight will be over so early uh, in in the afternoon that, you know, we'll just hop on the schneid and do another show. So uh, with that, thanks for tuning in, everybody.